you don't feel trapped to do this, do you? I wouldn't say I feel trapped, but I feel like I owe it to myself to see it through. What is seeing it through for you, though? Like, you, you kind of made it, bro. Like, you are one of the best drivers in the world, and you have beaten some of the best drivers in the world. You know, We threw this party, and we were just having a bonfire outside, and I don't know whose idea it was, but somebody was like, yo, let's take this coat hanger and bend it into the shape of a heart. Let's brand a heart on your butt. And I was like, that is your only job. And if I right? fail at my only job for the weekend, I let a lot of people down in my mind. It's a lot of pressure. Like, I flew all these guys out to work on my shit, drove my rig 3,000 miles across the country, hundreds of hours in the shop to prep it. I pulled it up to the start line and I had 45 seconds to do my job and I didn't. Welcome to another episode of the Failure Podcast, guys. I am your host, Austin, and uh, I don't know what episode we're on here, but we are on, uh, we're getting up there. We're creeping up there. We are into the new year. I think we're officially shooting this in the new year. I'm very thankful. I just want to say real quick uh, before we dive into the show, how thankful I am uh, for all the messages and the support that I, I have been getting as well as Carter has been getting over our last episode. It was absolutely epic, you guys, like the love and the support and the passion beyond just like you guys viewing this is is super dope. It makes us want to keep going and keep pushing. So with that being said, happy new year. I hope you guys are off to a great start with all of your, we'll just call them goals or ambitions or whatever that is, your new year's resolutions. I think that's what you call them, whatever. But do me a favor, hit the like button, leave us a comment in the pages, let us know what you guys think of the show and uh, subscribe if you want. But we are here, second time guest, long time listener, Travis Reeder. What's up? What's up, bro? How are you? Not too bad. It's uh, the new year and same old preseason problems. Mm. Good times. <laughs> good times. For, so for those of you that don't know, <clears throat> Travis, uh, one is is obviously one of my closest friends. We've been friends for uh, a, a fairly long time. We lived together. We did the whole like that phase of our life. And uh, you now race professionally, race cars professionally. Yep. Um, you drift in particular. If you guys don't know what that is, look it up, Google it. It's the coolest thing in the world, just so you know. <laughs> um, but, dude, we, we have so much. I think, like, one reason I love talking to you is because every time we do have a conversation, usually when we have, uh, <laughs> it's because we have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Not calling to be like, hey, what's up, bro? How's you doing? Oh, today's, today's good, man. Today's great. No, it's usually because we have something wild going on in our lives. And uh, we usually have pretty intricate conversations in a sense of, you know, how we get past those moments. So um, I'm not going to go straight too deep into that, but just off the cusp. But one, I want to ask you, uh, one, how, how is the off season for you going? Because I know it's a very stressful time mm-hmm. and how you're working through that. And just kind of how things are going just for you naturally right now. Yeah. Um, I guess a little background for people who are just tuning into this or not familiar with racing stuff, I guess. Um, I run a season throughout the year called Formula Drift. It's an eight-stop series across the United States. And uh, basically, it's a just eight-round competition series, and um, we do a lot of prep, obviously, in the off-season. It goes from April to October, roughly. So everything between October and then the next April is considered the off-season. We have to reprep cars, rebuild cars, engines, transmissions, tow rig, prep the trailer, all that kind of stuff. So everything that falls apart throughout the year, we got to fix it to start all over again. Um, mm-hmm. And 
the off season isn't really technically an off season. It's actually the on season because it's usually way more work than the actual season is. Um, but yeah, last year was good. Um, you had a you had a crappy year last year. Yeah, you I was sugar year. I was sugarcoating a little bit. So there was good things. There was bad things though. No, no, no. I learned a lot. I'm trying to like not sugarcoat this, Travis. You uh, was a was a year of growth for you last year. Yeah, I in think some ways. In some, <laughs> it's it's okay. I want to I want to talk about uh, one. Obviously, your off season right now, comparatively, this is usually a moment of of massive. I think it's like go 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 for everybody. If you guys know how, we'll just call it off season in the racing industry goes. It is basically everybody is scrambling to get their programs together to get the cars together. It's like everything, all your entire year's work is packed into like. Three, like three, three months. Three months. But actually, you get less of that because the holiday season shuts a bunch of companies down, and right, it's like basically like two months. So what what is that like for you right now? Like how behind do you feel already? Because I'm sure that you don't feel like you're ahead of things right now, um, or do you? Like ha- has that changed? I felt behind a week after the season ended, bro. Mm. <laughs> I'm like barely pulling the trailer into home, and I'm like, I haven't started anything yet. Um, no, it's like. It's always going to feel like this, but you know the deal. As soon as you pull into the first event at the end of the offseason, like the weight's lifted, and I know I'm going to get there. It's just like put in perspective, my racing program is ran by me um, and some close friends and family a little bit, but a lot of it is is me trying to figure out a lot of logistics of things. Um, uh, I built most of the car um, with the help of friends and family, um, I do most of the contacts for sponsors and partnerships. Um, uh, I've had some help with logistics and stuff throughout the year, but it's still, I got to kind of figure out where everyone's going to be at what time. Cause I have to manage a crew. Um, yeah, there's the like stuff. flights involved with that. There's food flights, there's hotels, like more than I just feel like <clears throat> that, that doesn't do it justice in a sense of like planning. Like you're not only building an entire race program, then you have to plan everybody's trips. You have to plan like yeah. trying to take care of your crew. It's like a, having employees in a business in a sense of like wanting to take care of your people yep. the best that you can. Yep. And it's it's one of those things where like if the if I can when I get the program grown to the point where I can hire people in to do a lot of these things, take the weight off my shoulders, I I will. But for the time being I have to cover a lot of this stuff. Um, which is fine. I've done it all before and you know the deal. It's a total shit show until like until i'm literally jumping in my truck and towing the the car to long beach but um i don't know i'm like i had like i walked in here today and i'm like my phone hasn't stopped ringing since 11 a.m so i've been literally on the phone with companies partners other how do how do other people do it everyone does it differently everyone comes from a different background um whether it be coming either money helps in this sport Mm -hmm. it's not like it's not like you can be i don't know if if you want to be really good at baseball what what things do you have to buy to practice every single day play baseball every single day sure there's not a lot of overhead obviously to get to the pros there's a lot of like people spend a lot of money on trainers and you know if they're taking it seriously that does cost a lot of money but i have to like to do what i do professionally I, I spent 150 grand before I show up to the event. Mm-hmm. So it's like there's a lot in the background. Um, so it's 
it's it's tough, but I don't know. What are, you, what are you doing though? I mean, like, because we talked about this last year, and we talked about like, okay, you were you were that you had the same feeling going into Long Beach, which mm-hmm. even la- like you had motor issues like the week before, yeah, last or whatever year the bad. fuck it was. <clears throat> but tor- going into Long Beach, going into like after this huge whole prep season, you were just like, bro, this is insane. Like, I, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, blah blah. Like, to some extent, you have to be wanting to avoid that this year. So my question to you, pinpointed, is what are you doing actively now, or are mm-hmm. you doing anything to change that and improve that this year? No, yeah, I'm definitely taking as many like as many steps I can to avoid last year's preseason because it was like we lost a motor in the race car on the dyno a week before I had to leave for the first event. So I basically had to like have the entire motor rebuilt. My engine builder flew or didn't fly, but drove in from Idaho overnight. And I was back and forth up to Seattle trying to source parts, driving in the middle of the night to get everything together. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a total mess. Made it happen. But yeah, to avoid that, I mean, the the car's been torn apart. Usually, usually like every Christmas at grandma's, mm-hmm. I'm like all the, um, all the cousins and, the family and great grandkids and everyone they're all there and um everyone wants to see the race car so i usually fire it up and you know take a couple people for rips down the block a couple like pe- i only get two before i assume the cops are gonna come so <laughs> i get i get two rips down the street before i i call it but um this year the car was like completely stripped before i even had that opportunity engines at the engine builder has been for a month almost um a lot of my parts are already sent back getting rebuilt um, i'm just hoping that everything comes back we can put it together smoothly um just trying to be proactive on on getting um on getting stuff rebuilt that has to be rebuilt for the car for the truck for the trailer for spare tools um all the stuff that i was kind of lacking last year i have a list so as much as i can afford i'm doing that um, as soon as i can um so that hopefully if it works out this this will be the first year knock on wood Right. Uh, that there's a possibility the car can be together and start testing at the beginning at the beginning of February. Right. Which we're usually like second week into March are just firing the car mm-hmm. because of either not from like me being last minute, but supply chain issues, um, logistical issues from companies being behind on either just work or can't get parts or this or that or something breaks or um it usually just puts up us puts us up against the wire. So um, trying to not do that, um, and then I'm also building another car simultaneously. Mm-hmm. So that I kind of like added that to my plate, but it will free up a lot of a lot of issues in the future if I can get it done. So why but, why did you wait previous in in past years? What was holding you back? Like why did you wait to get onto that stuff? Was it was it always money or financial issues, or was it like, yo, I need a break from this, I need to breathe? A lot of it's a lot of it was money because I couldn't afford to start the refresh of the car until I cleared contracts for that year. Mm-hmm. Like, got first payments from these from sponsors, or um, did a couple gigs, or sold, you know, hustled my way through. Right. Um, this year, I have a. I'm lucky enough to have a little bit more of a cushion, which is nice. So I could afford to send a lot of this stuff out and get it paid for ahead of time. Yeah. Um, and uh, so that's that's been nice because that was not the norm. And on top of 
on top of the money holding me back previously, a lot of it was like just dreading the mess. And I'm like, I need to escape. And I would end up, I think, escaping for too long, putting myself up against the wire, like Waiting unintentionally. Yeah. And it's, it's hard not to do, but, um, this year I've been, I've been a bit more proactive this you year. Changed, so you changed a lot about your lifestyle too, bro. I noticed you've been going to the gym all the time. You're eating a lot better. You're drinking a lot more yeah. water. Like you're taking it. I think Matt field recently went through kind of like this transition a few years mm-hmm. back where he like chose to like, I mean, I don't think you're going to that extent, but I think it goes to show when you feel so disorganized in certain parts of your life that you have to like, you have to make a change internally for that to reflect externally on the rest of your life. Yeah. You got to get the core going. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm stubborn <clears throat> as shit, dude. But like I, a lot of my family are like, I would consider them gym rats and they're like super into it. And mm-hmm. they used to bug me all the time. And I used to always just make fun of them or whatever, you know, cause I was like always just like the skinny kid that could eat whatever. And it didn't matter. Yeah. Um, and I would always just be like, Oh yeah, dude, you're looking big, you know, like just talking <laughs> shit. And then, um, <clears throat> and then probably like six months ago, I, uh, I don't know. I just like decided to go one day with, with my brother and I was like, damn, I actually like feel really good. I kind of got addicted to it. Not that I'm like trying to get huge or anything, but it's, it's more of the, it's more of the being con- forcing yourself to be consistent in something every day than it is like the physical gain. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. For me Discipline. at least. Yeah. It's the, like, I don't care if I show up to the gym and sit on my phone for an hour and like do three or four half ass lifts and leave. At least I was there. Yeah. Um, and that, the consistency and the forcing myself to do that every day is more important to me. Um, but, but on the other hand, once I get going, like I'm, I'm like, okay, if I'm here working, like I'm going to make sure I outwork like, you know, 95% of the people in this place. Mm -hmm. That's just like my mindset when I show up. So that's kind of nice. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I've been doing a lot lately. I feel a lot better. Um, I don't know. Bench my body weight the other day felt huge. That's crazy. dope. Yeah. That's huge. Uh, what, is, what is that? Like 170, 165 ish. It was like. That's all chest, though, dude. You have like baby dick pecs. No, for sure. Like, you, But like six months ago when I started, I could barely put up 95 pounds. Yeah, that's amazing. So I like, didn't mean that in a bad way. I no, just meant like no, that's, absolutely. that's massive if you could do yeah. that. Because. Um, yeah, and I was all. You know, I'm all. It's weird to talk about this because I, I was such an asshole about it for so long. To these people, like that, prioritize just like their physical appearance of going to the gym. And I didn't realize how much more than that it was on the back end. Same, bro. It's like it's twenty percent for most people. It's twenty percent what you get out of it physically, and it's eighty percent what you get out of it mentally. Mm-hmm. And I understand that now, and that part's sick, dude. It's it's rad. I've been doing. Uh, I don't know if you. I know you actually, I know you see my stories unless mm-hmm. you click through the shit, but Mm-mm. I've been uh, doing morning cold plunges and I've been walking and just trying f- to find ways to be more active and hold myself accountable mm-hmm. as I didn't realize how uncontrol, unin control I was of my own brain. You know what I mean? Mm. And like, especially with drinking, like choosing that was the start of it because I re- I had so much more mental clarity when I stopped drinking and just like, 
like having that urge and not realizing that you have an urge to do it and you because it's just normal to grab a beer it's just normal like I'm, yeah i'm gonna go grab a beer like on my podcast when i'm sitting here talking with my homies i'm gonna grab a beer mm-hmm. not like like choosing to do that and having the control over my own brain and now like last night i went to a gathering uh new year's gathering with a bunch of my friends everyone around me was drinking mm-hmm. i mean not everybody there's a select people that were also not drinking <clears throat> but everybody was to some extent and i'm looking around and i'm going like i don't even feel the urge to grab it right now like i'm so like i'm so i I feel that much of a benefit to not to choosing not to that initially when i started this and i thought about how hard it was going to be not to do that it's like i don't it's like smoking almost Mm -hmm. like remember when you quit smoking and you're like i don't want to touch a cigarette that like it's disgusting i don't feel that way about disgusting like alcohol like i actually I still crave the taste of a good beer. I think about going up to the street and grabbing like a, uh, a non-alcoholic IPA or something because honestly, I just want to try one. But bottom line, I want to see what they taste like if it's like even remotely close to the taste mm-hmm. of you know yeah, an yeah. IPA or something. But having that control over your body and that self-control and that discipline is in- insanely rewarding, dude. It's mm-hmm. empowering. It's yeah. like motivating every other aspect of my life. And you don't realize like even just going to the gym and committing yourself to going to the gym every single day how mentally motivating that is and almost like prideful as a man you're like i i stuck to my word mm-hmm. and i held that shit and i committed and i and i followed through yeah. when you start lying to yourself and you don't follow through on your word and you don't follow through on all of these things that you say you're going to do mm-hmm. and you don't do them you almost lose the ability to trust any aspect of yourself yeah, or, yeah. Or, or 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 feel worthy of yourself like you you lose yourself yeah. I'm so quick to be like disappointed in my own discipline if I don't do something. Like like if I sleep in too long, which you know my schedule, I'm the like late at the shop, right, get up later type of person, but if I if I sleep in like really late, I'm like damn, I wasted a whole day and I'm pissed off. And now with the gym stuff, if I like miss a day, I'm like damn, I was worthless today. Dude, isn't it weird? But like I know I wasn't worthless that day, but internally I'm like, I, I'm like, I didn't, I didn't do that. I got to get back to it. Like I'm, I like crave, not that I crave lifting weights, but I crave the habit, the, the habit, the commitment yeah. Yeah, that you made to yourself. And I'm, that's new for me because mm-hmm. I'm so non-committal in a lot of aspects of my life when it comes to like Let something, something other than my career. Yeah. Cause I'm like, I'm so in on drifting and everything, my business and my career and everything else has always been to the wayside and I've never prioritized anything else other than that. So prioritizing something different and forcing myself to commit to something different in life has been like pretty rewarding mentally for me. Good. You know what I was thinking about Christmas? Hmm. How I was going to get my walk before my kids woke up. Nice. Bro, I like remember saying this the day before Christmas. I was like, crap, dude. Like, because I was on a, I was on a streak. You know, like I didn't want to stop. Otherwise, I felt like I was going to fall out of it, Mm -hmm. you know, and I just like I didn't want to lose that habit that I was on. And so I remember waking up Christmas morning and uh, I was like, you know what? Like, it's okay, Austin. Go tomorrow. It's, It's Christmas, you know, or go walk the dog outside or something or find another time to go outside. But I just didn't like. I, I almost woke up at like 4 a.m., but I was afraid my kids would wake up and go downstairs and I wasn't going to be there for them, but mm. I was, it was a panic. So the last statement you had just said met, leads me into another thing, which is like kind of this 
drifting is all you know mm-hmm. and is all really I think you give a shit about and have for so long. Yeah. What if you couldn't drift, like if you couldn't race cars and like someday drifting just stopped and or it was illegal or like just you couldn't do it. And I don't say don't say die, but <laughs> what would never you, say die dude. as a career? What would what do you think you would do? Have you ever thought I've, about like I've wanting tried, to do anything else? I've tried to think about this because I get asked this all the time. If it wasn't for drifting, what would you do? Or, hey, if drifting goes away, what do you, what's your game plan? What are you going to do? And I'm like, I, it's all I've ever thought about and everything else just doesn't intrigue me. Like, it's not like if drifting goes away, I'd be suicidal or something, but it's like I... I'm just, I've been so focused on this for so long that like, I, I honestly do not have the slightest clue on what I would pivot to, Mm -hmm. but that's not good. Well, I almost wonder though, like if, like, Like, I don't, cause I don't know. It's not, I I realize that that's not good now and cause I've lived this way for so long and I've been lucky enough for it to work. You just, I'm just curious. You don't feel trapped to do this do you i wouldn't say i feel trapped but i feel like i owe it to myself to see it through because i've put in so much effort and energy into into this and making this a career Mm -hmm. that i if i did if i did change up my path i feel like i would regret it in Later the long on, in the not. long run and i owe i owe it to myself to like hit the hard stop what is what is seeing it through for you though like is that mean like because to me and this isn't a uh, hey travis you should quit drifting that's beyond what i'm saying right now no for sure uh, like you, you kind of made it bro like you are one of the best drivers in the world uh, and you drive with some of all of the best drivers in the world and you have beaten some of the best drivers in the world, you know, like how would you not consider that making it or is it that championship? So it's actually not the championship for me now. No. Like I, two, two years ago I won that event in Jersey. So that was like a huge thing for me and it instilled a lot in me that like I can do it. I can hang with these guys when I get paired up in battles with, all these guys are like, oh shit, we got Travis. And like that was a good, that was just a good like proving to myself that the hard work did pay off in the long run. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but the like the championship thing, if it happens, it happens, dope. But I'm not like chasing the win because it's not about the winning for me, even though the winning is obviously nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like, the the making it in my eyes is doing this thing that i love and being able to being able to being able to have this thing that i love support my everyday life comfortably because like you know me like i i don't own a home mm-hmm. i don't have a savings account i don't have x y and z i put everything i have into trying to grow this business because i love to do it and i've put the I've put the traditional lifestyle to the wayside, kind of like you did the opposite. Mm-hmm. You, when we were growing up, you prioritized making sure that you had all your traditional 
traditional family values set because that's what you prioritize and that's what you wanted. Right. And you put drifting to the wayside. Yeah. I just did the opposite. And now that you're in your position, we talk about all the time. You're like, I can't wait to get a car again. Mm -hmm. I'm on the side of paths are crossing now. I'm on the side of, I can't wait to buy a house. Yeah. So making it for me is being able to sit on my couch in my barn dominium and I can open that door and look into the shop with my race car, my truck, my trailer, my program operates out of it. And I have my property and I'm sitting there and I own it and I'm driving my racing sim in my living room right? on, you know, in the home that I own because enough money to sustain that lifestyle because of, because of drifting. Mm -hmm. And that's the, that's the make it for me. And I have a lot of work to do to get there. I would agree. I don't think you're that far off though. I think you're closer than you think. I think that's a lot of, I think there's a lot more. Um, I think that you're, you are now at this point in your career, opening up a lot more doors that you didn't think would, would help or assist within getting you to that point. You know what I mean? Relationships and networking and, you know, drifting and sponsorship money isn't just what is going to, to finance that. Oh, for sure. It's all, it's, that's like, if I could get to the point where my, the race team pays for itself, the race team doesn't necessarily have to make money. It's what Travis Reader Motorsports does in the background, Mm -hmm. either the consulting or the parts wholesaling or the tuning or this, that, or the other. Mm -hmm. It's, it's that stuff growing that stuff in the background to make the living. And if the race program can sustain, then the showing up to eight rounds a year to drive, that's, that's my eight vacations a year. That's my reward for the hard work. And the other side of the business can run in the background because the automotive, the racing industry, it kind of goes with the economy and it changes a lot more than people would think as far as like my entire program is based off the budgets of these companies and how much they're given Mm -hmm. to, to market. So like if these companies start pulling back like crazy and they just start axing programs and then like my funding goes away, then I don't ever want to put myself in the position to where not only can I not go racing, but I also can't live. So that's, that's the big thing that I can't let happen. I can't let those paths cross. Yeah. And that's what I've been working on a lot lately on top of the so off season. Shit. Uh, you're doing a lot of things to get there. I think one of them is, is working on yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, you had, you had a lot of mental, mental toughness tests this year. Yeah. You had a lot of things that really tested your, <clears throat> your mental strength. And I think that that is, something that you are focusing on now, which is, is really cool to see that the, the empowerment, I think that you feel when you are, are taking care of yourself. Um, what did you learn most from, by the way, earlier, I just want to touch base when I said he had a shitty season or he did horrible. That was me giving him a hard time. Uh, <laughs> you driving with some of the best drivers in the world and just showing up and making it. I don't know what, what did you place? 17th, 17th or something. Yeah. 17th or 18th, something like that out of 30 mid pack out of the best drivers in the world. Like get out of here. That's amazing. I'm, I'm not discrediting that at all. Uh, I know you're better than that. You know, you're better than that. What was that like to mentally deal with this year? What was that? There's a couple conversations we had throughout the year that were really hard. Yeah. Where, where you were, you were down bro in the dumps Mm -hmm. and feeling it. And how, how would you say that that affected your, we'll just call it your mental state going forward. The, we talk about it often the, the drifting stuff is so mental and you could be the best driver in the world. But if you're, if you're 
mental game isn't strong, then you've already lost before you even get in the driver's seat. Like it's to put it in perspective for people that don't know drifting. Like if say you're in a NASCAR race or some road race or something you have, if you make a mistake in a turn, you have, you know, 20, 30, 40, even a hundred laps to make up your mistake Mm -hmm. in professional drifting. You have 45 seconds in that lap to be perfect. So if you like, if you make one little mistake and the other dude's on point, you're going home, you're packing your trailer and it takes 45 seconds to basically end your weekend. Mm -hmm. So a lot of it is mental and being comfortable and just trusting yourself and trusting in your ability and not overthinking because it's so quick to just burn yourself. You overthink and make a mistake. Um, but like the, we were, we ended last season, the 2022 season, we ended that seventh or yeah, 2022 season. We were seventh and that was huge. And we had gained a ton of momentum into that. And to backtrack to finish 17th 18th which is lower than i finished my rookie year when i only ran a car i was comfortable with for four events Mm -hmm. it's only half the season i still ended up placing higher at the end of the year that's where i'm like that's just my own wanting to like i'm my i'm my i'm my own worst critic right and that's just me being hard on myself because i know i'm better than that and you're only as good as your last event in my mind and that's how like I try to, I try to get out of that mind state, but I know that I understand now that being mid pack in a field of guys that are the best in the world at the highest level of your sport is a huge accomplishment. Mm -hmm. And I'm still absolutely stoked to be there at the end of the day, but I'm also going to be hard on myself when I make a mistake because I know what I'm capable of. Right. So that's, so last year was definitely tough because of that. You, you were also though, I feel like, at this point, I had, I and not, never would I think that you would ever quit. But with the start of the season to the mid of the season to the words that were coming out of your mouth, I think it, at one point it crossed my mind where I was like, dude, I really hope he keeps doing it. I hope you keep going, you know? And had, had that thought ever crossed your mind where like you were questioning whether or not this was the right thing for you to do? No. Never once. That's dope. Like the idea of like, what if one day I did stop drifting? Like that might float through there. But then five seconds later, I'm like. Even the lowest of moments for you was not even remotely close to that. No. That's that's cool, dude. No. I'm like, what do I got to do to make it better next round so I don't make the same mistake? But getting, I don't know. I wouldn't say I, I was far from hitting rock bottom. Like. Don't get me wrong. I'm not like the business isn't failing. Mm-hmm. Like I'm still growing as a driver. I'm trying to grow my team. Like I'm still learning a lot mm-hmm. in the act. So like it, it didn't go last year, didn't go without some sort of progress, but that part of it was definitely tough. What'd you, what did you take most from it? Um, the, the thing that I took most from last year was just that it, it helped me to focus on, focus less on things that mattered to me at events and things that mattered more to like the fans and the people there because the kids and all the other fans that come out to these events, they don't give a shit if you go out in 32, Mm -hmm. they don't give a shit if you win, they're stoked to 
watch the show and they're stoked to walk around the pits and talk to a human that is doing this crazy thing and interact, interact at autograph sessions, interact at the pits after the event's over, interact in any way possible at, you know, that's, that's what they're there for. And in the end, the only reason we're there is because of them. Right. So I think I needed to see, I needed to see all those struggles to realize that. And it, I think it's just part of the game and part of the growth because I I definitely did get caught up in wanting to win so badly because of how good last year went. I constantly worried about what if I what if I don't back it up or what if I don't do X, Y, and Z. And when I didn't, it was at first I was like, damn, this is exactly what I was worried about. But then when the season ended, I was like, oh, I'm actually kind of thankful for that because I have a ton of partners that don't give a shit if I win the championship or not. They just, they care about seeing me, seeing me succeed and I take care of them the best that I can. They do the same. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's super important. And then the just interacting with, with fans and having someone, you know, having a kid DM you and be like, Hey man, I saw you at Seattle and you signed this and talk and talk to me for 15 minutes. Thank you so much for your time. And I'm like, yo dude, I'll reply to him and be like, Hey, I appreciate you coming out. I'll see you next year. Bring that thing again. I'll sign it again. I'll just date it, you know? And they're like stoked. And that, that last year helped me realize how much more important that is Yeah. than being, I almost feel now when I, if I'm super down on myself and mad and whatever at an event, cause I lost or this, that, or the other, I almost see that now as like more of a selfish reaction in the Mm -hmm. grand scheme of things because me dwelling in the fact that and beating myself up because I didn't do good only only like robs that experience from the fans and the people that came there because like when I get knocked down the 32 I should be taking advantage of the halftime show and walking around talking to people not sulking in my trailer because I didn't go to the next round right which obviously everyone's bummed out but um, on the other hand, like I let a lot of, I let a lot of like that affect the morale of my team mm-hmm. and me being, it's different if I was an arrive and drive for a team and there was a manager, mm-hmm. team owner, um, a whole crew that worked under that manager, not under me Yeah, because the team can, that team controls their morale and what they're doing. And I can just be an outlier because I'm just the driver and I mm-hmm. can just be off of whatever. But because I'm the team owner, the car builder, the truck driver, the logistics guy, the this, that, and the other, the customer relations, the, you know, everything, it's my responsibility to make sure that my guys don't feel unappreciated. Mm-hmm. And I did a really bad job at making them feel appreciated last year at the like expense of my own attitude. Because I was bummed out that I lost, I inadvertently took that out on them yeah and i didn't realize that until like honestly a couple days ago when i started talking to a few people from the outside and i'm like oh damn you're right like in my mind i'm just like oh um like i'm i'm pissed off my trailer i lost the guys can just leave me alone in my trailer and they can just you know go do their reprep and like they're doing their jobs outside but when they're walking in trying to talk to me about what changes they want to make to the car to make it better for next. Like I'm not thinking proactively. I'm just sulking and why I'm pissed off. Yeah. And so they're like scared to interact with, with me as a 
boss. 100%. Because I'm like selfishly caught up in my Your own feelings, feelings about, you know, about blowing it or whatever. So what are you going to do differently? Like, how are you going to get past that? Because that's a, that's a, that's a lot of like, that's hard, bro. Yeah. It's hard not to like, if I, dude, we, like I said, we're, you're your own biggest critic, Mm -hmm. right? Is that, does any other outside opinion play a, a source in that? Like, are you embarrassed at all? Like if you don't top 32 and you go look at your, you know, these people that you look up to or, you know, whatever, or like, does that bug you at all in those conversations? I I used to, I used to, it used to bother me like the, the, like the, the opinion of how I did of other people, I guess, like my peers, Mm -hmm. um, like the last thing you want to do is your friend being like, damn, you sucked last weekend, but I'd (laughs) rather hear that now. Like, you know, cause I know, but I also don't, I know I don't need to be told that Yeah, us as drivers know when we mess up and when we blow it for sure. But on the other hand, when I was mad at Irwindale because I crashed out in the 32, you know, the last run of the season, I'm trying to like end it with a bang. And I mm-hmm. put the car in the wall after like destroying the car in practice already. And the guys like replacing everything mm-hmm. on the right side of the car suspension wise. And I've been on the flatbed three times in the weekend. I'm ne- my car's never on the flatbed, right? You know, and I'm already like irritated and then I crash out. I'm just like, I'm like, what the hell? Like, what is going on? Like, this is, you know, I'm, I'm super irritated because it's, it was the end of the season. It was extra shitty. <clears throat> I blew it, whatever. But then I step in the stands, I go watch, and Osbo does the same thing, and the 32 goes out mm-hmm. in the same exact spot, backs it in the wall, puts the nose in. And Osbo is the winningest driver in Formula Drift history. Yeah. Like, arguably the most robotic driver in the world does not make mistakes yeah con- he's been consistently top two top three for the last 10 years unbeatable mm-hmm. like you put osbo in the trailer you like yeah you either got lucky or you somehow pulled some <laughs> shit out of your ass that you like you didn't know you had you know what i mean right um for those of you that don't watch drifting be what we're talking about is is uh again like you just described he's he's this guy that is and basically one of the greatest drivers what you can consider one of the greatest drivers in the series and has been for so long and is the guy that just doesn't make mistakes but Mm -hmm. moving forward yeah so he that event i'm beating myself up because i crash out and the dude that is arguably one of the best in the world makes the same exact mistake in the same exact point of the track and goes out in the 32 gets the same amount of points as me so you get like a little bit of a reality check or like a little bit of like a hey yeah, uh, it's gonna be fine. Yeah, like, I should probably shut up. <laughs> yeah, I'm not the only one. Stop being a, stop being a bitch. Go in, you know, go interact with fans. Have fun. Stop beating yourself up about it. It's hard, man. That is something that you, I think, is it takes practice, like anything else. You know what I mean? You can talk this game all you want about how I'm not gonna act a certain way when something happens to me, but we're really habitual creatures, and mm-hmm. it takes practice. It takes it takes. Uh, you know, strength and mental discipline to be able to not be upset or at something or beat yourself up mm-hmm. when you're on a stage that big too. Yeah, like it's not. It's not like we're talking about you didn't wake up to go on your walk, bro. Mm-hmm. You have uh, we're just gonna call it fucking less than five minutes, ten minutes 
to perform yeah. over a whole weekend. Yep. And, and that's my only job. That is your only job. And if I right? fail at my only job for the weekend, I let a lot of people down in my mind. It's a lot of pressure. Like, I flew all these guys out to work on my shit. I drove my rig 3,000 miles across the country with however many, you know, tens of hundreds of hours in the shop to prep it. And I pulled it up to the start line and I had 45 seconds to do my job and I didn't. Mm-hmm. So like that's that's the frustrating <clears throat> thing for me that I beat myself up about, I guess. Do you uh do you feel like do you feel like it gets easier? Like or it has gotten easier for you? Like obviously you're learning and you're growing mm-hmm. during these interactions. You know what I mean? But I'm sure the year before that you're all like, Yeah, man, I need to quit being so down on myself. You know what I mean? Or upset, whatever. You go to this next year, same thing. You know what I mean? Like or just losing in general. You we're only talking about fucking losing on this podcast. You did great, bro. You were a rookie of the year. You, it, I mean, it is you called, have plenty of it is <laughs> called the failure podcast. Like we're staying true to it with this episode, but uh, but I'm more concerned. I'm I'm is it does it get easier for you like when you go out in top 32 or is it suck just as nah, much every fucking sucks. time? It still sucks. Because like <clears throat> the way it's set up is you don't you don't get the whole like dog and pony show until the 16. Mm-hmm. Like they do Basically, we qualify. We have a top 32 bracket. Right. Everyone who makes it through the 32 to the 16, then you have the halftime show. And then for top 16, that's the main event. And that's the live stream opening ceremonies. Introduce all the drivers. Wave at the fans. They're doing the track walk. Mm-hmm. Um, it's good content. Good, good. you know, it's good all around just to be in the show, as you call it. So yeah. it's like it's always a super bummer to be sitting in the stands watching 16 other drivers like compete when you're like, damn, I should still be driving. Right. You know what I mean? Or I wish I was still driving. <clears throat> so shifting gears here a little bit, but uh, Chelsea Denofa this year retired. Um, this is totally unrelated. If you guys don't watch drifting, you're not going to know who this guy is, but he is also one of the most sought after drivers uh, in the world. Um, all around amazing dude. And probably we'll just call it one of the most. Uh, what is what's the word I'm looking for to describe Chelsea? He's the one of the most. Uh, if you if you've watched drifting, then you understand and know who Chelsea Dunfa is. Let's just put it mm-hmm. that way. Just like unreplicatable, I guess you can't. You can't yeah. Right? What do you think that does to the sport? And do you think that more people are going to willingly go take other avenues because? of his retirement. Mm. Also just to add this, this dude has been driving longer than most and won his first championship this year. Yes. And the, basically the day he won the championship, he announced his retirement, just like dropped the mic. He was out. Um, so everyone was and like, didn't did it before he knew that he was going to win. True, actually, he yeah. So Thursday he before his retirement beforehand, and Thursday, then went on to win the championship. Yep, Thursday before practice, announced he was not competing the following year, and then ended up getting the championship. But um, I don't know. He's like, he's just a different breed, dude. And like, it it it'll be it'll it'll be shitty to not drive with him because I I love driving with him in mm-hmm. a competition setting because. I felt like I was able to drive super hard and he, I learned a lot driving with him at that level because he helped push me in a lot of things. And he's a lot of the reason why I'm able to compete because he has done a lot for me in that, 
in that aspect. But right. um, I know what his soul is about. Sure. And his soul is not in competitive drifting. His soul is in, it's like racing motocross to riding freestyle motocross. Yeah. Chelsea is freestyle motocross 120%. I understand that. I think my my question is, do you think that other people are going to look at that and go, wow, I don't need to compete in Formula Drift. I can go do other avenues. Do you think that other people, are, that's going to open their mind to anything? I mean, it might open people's minds, but like, I think it's, I still think the sport needs to shift. I think it got a little too serious about competition Yeah. to the point where people think that it is the only avenue to make it in the sport is mm-hmm. by competing because that's traditionally how it was done um, in racing, I guess. Yeah. And drifting is not traditional racing. No. And with this day and age, like I call drifting an internet sport since day one because it is so social media driven and our demographic is 18 to 18 to 32. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things where if you do it right, you could definitely make a living without jumping in a car for any sort of competition. Just I like strategizing your content and going to certain lifestyle events and um, doing demos and you know like it's it'll I think it'll be good for him and I think it'll be I think it'll just help grow him and he'll be wildly successful in I the agree. long run. I don't think he's making a, the wrong decision, but just by knowing him, like. I know that him leaving is a massive weight off his shoulders. And I think he just like, I think he just feels free to do what he wants now. You know what I mean? I'm like, a bird, you gotta let me fly. Yeah. What it's just, he can, he can now do all these things that he wanted to do for so long, but he couldn't because he was stuck in the cycle of all the work it takes to compete. And mm-hmm. now he can put that same amount of energy into the other things he wanted to do. Like, he can't lose at this point. No, I feel like, no doubt, dude. I mean, watching all of his stuff too. He's doing doing like going to Japan, drop for like how many weeks was he there? Yeah, like for that. That sounds like the dream. I think to so many dudes in the series, you get to travel across the world with your wife, go drive badass cars, and just bash doors with with homies, mm-hmm. and that's how you make your living. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, how how was that content thing going for him? And what's I, I mean, how did that test go? Like we just call it, you know, him basically releasing all of that content and trying to be more proactive oh, trying to be about like, it. Trying to be more like focused on, on the, the social co- media mm-hmm. aspect of it. Um, Did you ever talk to him about that? Yeah, a little bit. I don't know that it necessarily was like super fruitful, but I think it's still a good base and it makes sense to do as long as he has the time to do it. Obviously, like a lot of it revolves around social media. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's certain like there's certain parts of it that I think he'll do differently and then other parts that he'll like sure keep the same. I don't know. I think it'll be good either way. It's, it was a good, like uh, it was a good test, I guess like a good Mm -hmm. baseline to kind of gather some data and figure out what plan to take in the future. What are we doing? uh, What are you going to do for your social media this year? Dude, I suck at social media so much. I know. Like if I didn't have to have it, I wouldn't, I know, but no, like, I don't know, dude. Like, I don't want to sell out and be like, pay someone because I don't want to be, I don't want someone to be scrolling through their feed and see a post on my page and be like, oh, that's obviously not him. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the last thing I want. But on the other hand, I'm doing so many things that I can't keep up with the algorithm on my own. Like, 
unless I treat it like the gym, I guess. Why but, don't you just start posting, bro? Just like even stories. Like I like I've been doing the story thing and it has dramatically increased my yeah. visibility with people. Yeah. Like I know that when I post a story that I pop up on your fucking story thing cuz you're like you can tell mm-hmm. everybody that's on that views your stories yeah will be the first 3 people to click it every fucking time. Yeah. And there's I mean I went from when we first started posting stories how many people were looking at them? 50, 30? I get almost 200 views per story that I post now and I've been doing it for 2 weeks. Mm. So by that meaning like you're training people to like look yeah. for that. Yeah. Why don't you just do something like that? Even if it's you just fucking waking up and putting on your shoes, bro. Like people would like mm. jerk off to that. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought about doing some stuff like um, not even car related stuff. Yeah. Just like engage, I guess. Like I'm I'm huge into music. You know that. Mm-hmm. Like my my Spotify minutes are like actually disgusting at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Like the amount of hours that I spend listening um, is insane to me. Um, but I thought about like every, you know, every like Monday or something, I'm like posting like three or four songs that I was listening to that week and yeah. change it up and like asking people like, yo, just recommend new music. Mm-hmm. Like things like that just to like, you know, engage on a different level with the audience that's not just like, hey, look at this page. It's just a red car. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but there's also like, I have contacts that literally run social media that would consistently post my stuff for me and build reels. Mm -hmm. And then I feel like if that happened to keep up with the algorithm, just to keep me in the loop. And then if I posted my lifestyle stuff on the side, I could create the full package. It would just take a little bit of investment, which I'm used to being poor, dude. What's what's some extra money a month to like, you know, to gain that part of the business. But I think, I think that you, well, I just didn't realize the impact that, just consistently like like creating something that people are going to look for. It's the same thing with podcasts, mm-hmm. right? I post the same day every week, generally on the same time, except when it's a holiday. I post at seven o'clock in the morning every Monday. My podcast drops. And you're creating this habit for people to look for that mm-hmm. with these morning walks things, right? Yeah. I wake up every morning. I go on a morning walk. I know that there's going to be the same people that when they see that, they go, oh, He's going on his morning walk or he's doing the cold plunge thing. Now I've created a habit for them to wake up and think, mm-hmm. oh, what's he got to say today? What's he doing today? What is that? You know what I mean? They like know it's going to happen, right? So there has to be something that creates this habitual like, and it doesn't take that much time out of my day either. Yeah. I think that is the part. I mean, we're just talking about stories, for instance, for instance, but what that does do for you and the algorithm is one, it allows you to personalize yourself and it also keeps you in the algorithm. It keeps you in people's feed, basically. Mm-hmm. If you're at the top of that story bar, when you post a story, you know that it's going to show you their content, like whoever that person is. The same people that you view their stories is the same people that you're going to see that content from in the mm. feed. So it's you may think that, oh, posting a story once every few hours isn't as important as it really is. It's fairly important. Like It gives people another reason to click on your shit. So yeah, that's the way I look at it. I don't even like, even after like three o'clock, I usually don't post anything, maybe something like stupid, but mm-hmm. definitely I post my morning every day. Yeah. And I usually post a video shortly thereafter. So that way, that's another thing that I've learned too. doesn't matter the time. Doesn't yeah. Matter the time. I used to like, I used to be like, Oh, I need to post this 
real at mm-hmm. this time because it's <clears throat> it's when everyone's on lunch on the west coast and it's when people are getting off work on the east yep. coast and it's gonna like you know everyone's gonna be opening their phone at this time and it's like doesn't matter nothing bro. literally doesn't matter it's so uncorrelated it's it's insane it yeah. pisses me off yeah i posted stuff at 2 a.m that goes off and then the other stuff i post like at dinner time mm-hmm. where most of my demographic is just like goes through the floor i think any time in the evening is technically better than the morning but i also think a viral video is going to go viral no matter what you're at the Whatever mercy of the is. algorithm at that point 100 yeah like you maybe get a few hundred more views or a few thousand more views but in the retrospect of things if you want to make a killer video mm-hmm. it doesn't fucking matter what time of the day it is like yeah. it's if people are going to want to watch it it's going to throw it to those people they're going to watch it and it's going to throw it to the next yeah video. i hope that they freaking like change this algorithm on me after i just like feel like i'm getting a wrangle on it like i hope they fucking change everything just throw a wrench in it piece of shits <laughs> it'll happen mm-hmm. dude what's that uh what's that deck of cards over there for mm-hmm. well i've been into magic yeah yeah i'm getting into it um, for some weird reasons, I think actually, by the way, um, I've found that like it is one, it's a hell of a good icebreaker. Mm. Like if you, if you like, just, I just walk around with a deck of cards in my pocket at all times now. <laughs> You're that guy. I'm not exaggerating. You're the magician dad. I, I am not exaggerating. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll, it's really fun to mess with my boys and do like, you know, some color change tricks where you can make like a see here you can make a card change colors <clears throat> you know you just uh sorry this is gonna be off camera just because you're not gonna be able to see it so i'm sorry but like you take this like ace right there right yeah you snap your fingers and then it turns into a king wow yeah. you're a wizard harry yeah did you see it i didn't see it i wasn't paying attention Fuck because yeah. because i was looking i was distracted in other ways i wasn't staring at the cards right. too right so you but that's like ace, right? that's snap your fingers and it just turns to a king mm. it's fairly good right Dude. yeah so it's real david blaine over here it's sleight of hand shit it's yeah, really yeah, fun yeah. it's really yeah. fun no it sounds cool you are you trying to like you figuring out ways to try and distract eyeballs from your hands no momentarily no yeah. i mean yes but no i think it i didn't realize a lot of with magic and what i'm coming i'm no master by the way but the research that i've done goes to show that a lot of it is where you're placing it mm-hmm. and like the position of your hands and, yeah. ha- and how I'm, I'm making, I could do other stuff with my hands that maybe seem like you ever see all, all magicians are feel like are always like fidgeting or doing something with their hands. Mm-hmm. A lot of that is, is almost like a facade. I feel like to let you, to make things seem natural, even though they're not natural. Yeah. Cause they're always like, snapping always doing feeling like doing this it's always yeah. doing something off air that's, show it to me I, that is the problem with magic though is i feel like like i want to tell you so bad but i don't at the same time because it makes it not cool yeah like it really does you're trying to miyagi me right now no for real i mean that you're not like, going to show me that trick until i can do the the, the shake one, the blurry card you, one. You would not be able to be a magician. Your fucking hands are literally like <laughs> too dry. They're so dry, bro. He'd be like, "Here, take this card and just like <laughs> drop the card." <laughs> do, you, do your followers know that you have dry hands? No, I don't think so. You should talk about. I occasionally that. will post like holding parts, and I'm, I look at it. And I'm like. Damn, they're going to be like, who's this 85-year-old man holding this car part <laughs> acting like Travis? <laughs> no, I have like I have massively huge fingernails. 
Yeah, you do. But, uh, and my hands are just like, yeah, look like they're 85 years old. What is something you remember from our past more than anything? What is a memory of me that you have that you will never forget? Mm, when uh, we had a party at the house and uh, we branded a heart on your ass. <laughs> I haven't told that story yet on here. <laughs> Carter, Carter's like, what? This is why we need a Carter camera. <laughs> yeah, we need a Carter camera. Is it still there? No, it's not. It's not there anymore. We actually, so uh, this is this is a really fun fun story, actually. Yeah. So we had what we would call the trap house back in the day, right? Is that what we called mm-hmm. it? We just called it. That the, was before trap house was like drug related. That was just, I yeah. guess it was just, you know. It was just the party house, right? Yeah. So we had this house that Travis and I lived in with my little sister and my very responsible stepfather who was... <laughs> Who was I love Jason. Not there really ever. He was working out of town at the time, so he'd be gone for a week and weekends he would come back and yeah, you know, again, the best dad in the world. A bunch of like nineteen to twenty one year olds in Dude. a house at like free reign. Just to do whatever. And we were paying like fresh out nothing, of high school. Bro. Yeah. I think we were paying like nine hundred bucks a month for this house. And but anyway, we ha- we had this one party, and my favorite part of part about this story is when Jake pops in. And he, you'll know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Because I was so drunk. Anyway, um, we we threw this party and we had tons of people here, like probably like 50 to 100 people in this house. I would say within the backyard and the garage and inside of the house in like a a tiny like thousand thousand square foot yeah thousand square foot house probably yeah super tiny. And uh, what were we doing? We were just having a bonfire outside. And I don't know whose idea it was, but somebody was like, yo, let's take this coat hanger and bend it into the shape of a heart and let's fucking brand some people's butts. And like this... You're putting money on it. No. Like, nobody was putting money on it at first. <laughs> not, at, not at first. People were so, volunteering. So... You're right. Uh, who... I think I was... Was I the first one to do it? I think uh, I was. I don't know. I, I think I was, was the first a, one to do blur. it. And somebody uh, somebody was like, yo, like, let's brand a heart on your butt. And I was like, yeah, dude, let's do it. That sounds super dope. And I was not, I was in, fiercely intoxicated. <laughs> and Jake goes, whoa, 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 bro. Hold on a second here. <laughs> we ain't doing this for free. We don't do stuff for free around here, okay? And Jake grabs his hat, pulls his hat out, and puts his hat in the middle of the group. And I was like, I was, my pants were down. I was ready to go, dude. Like I was, back was turned. I, they were, and Jake was like, Jake was it. hustling for you. Jake made me a few bones. <clears throat> I don't remember if I ever, you know. It was like 50, 60 bucks, I think. It was a good amount. But uh, anyway, we, we, we then we, they branded the heart on my ass with a coat hanger. And then I think shortly thereafter, there was like two or three people that did it after this. Mm-hmm. Your cousin and Nate, Nathan. Was it? Do you remember was Nathan? It him? Yes. Okay. And uh, he was he stopped in by the coffee shop the other day. I saw him. Oh, really? Yeah. He's he's like uh, doing really well too for himself. But nice. sick. Yeah, really funny. Brand heart branded uh, branded a heart on my butt, <laughs> and then I remember waking up the next morning and wondering why I couldn't walk and that my uh, my boxer shorts were stuck to my ass. But you know, good time. So <laughs> love, you'll ne- love that for you. That's uh, that's what you remember most. <clears throat> Oh, I mean, I could go the laundry list. I was waiting for this to come out on one of these podcasts of all the these Let's stories. Let's go. What else? Um, do, you, we, do you remembers, dude? These are fun. Oh, I remember when. Um, I remember when uh, we were at Park Fest 
for a weekend. Yep. Uh, Park's a local racetrack. Um, Ooh, and yeah. We did a weekend drift event, and then we came back. We <clears throat> showed up at the house, and as soon as we walked in, it was like it. Savannah had friends over. Yes. And it was like all hell had broken loose, and we walked into this madness of a house. I remember. I do. Wait, I'm trying to think of. We showed up like yeah, it was like Monday night, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and there was a bonfire in the backyard. Oh yeah. And this chick was in the bathtub with like half of her head of hair missing. Yes. And someone had thrown a can of spray paint in yes. the fire, and it exploded. And molten spray paint blasted this chick's face and like melted half of her hair off. And before I could figure out what was actually happening, there was like, um. There was like people rushing in to take her to like the hospital, the hospital, because it like fucked her up. I think she still has burn marks like all over her too. Yeah, you think you had crazy? Did not, dude. These we did the insane, stupid stuff. It was because I found that can. Yeah, cleaning yeah. the house. Yeah, because yep. I, I lived there a little later than. A few of the people. Did you ever find? Oh, some because someone I found, threw it. I found. Yeah, they, they threw it. I found it in the hedges, like mm. up against the fence. I was like, "Yep, that's can." That was the night that uh, <clears throat> both Stephen and Tanner ran and started like jumping fences. Steve, the uncle that's like in prison right now. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And young Tanner and Stephen were just like bam, bam, bam. But mm-hmm. there's also another one. One I remember most was that one. This I think the same night that somebody decided they wanted to cook a full blown egg in the microwave, aka Jeremy Richter, who is also an ex FD driver. If you guys know who Jeremy Richter is, that butthole stuck an egg in my uh, uh, microwave. microwave and turned it on. And waited for it to explode and then left. Mm-hmm. Yeah. After jumping off the roof into the bush, yes. flattening the bush in the front yard, and then yep. rolling down the yard, getting in a car, leaving. Yep. Yeah, I remember that. Good guy, dude. Good um, guy. <laughs> it's so long ago. I hope he's doing well. I think he just got married, actually. Who? Jeremy. Really? Yeah. Richter. Interesting. I haven't talked to him in a long time. Me either. I just had him, saw him on my Facebook. Nice. Like, I don't know. I, don't know. I was just scrolling through. So I got married. Um, what about when, uh, when your car was in the garage, when you had a 240, mm-hmm. when we used to drift and, um, <laughs> you had, we were all up still partying. Austin had to work in the morning and, uh, such a multi-layered story. Um, <laughs> we no. decided to, we decided to try to turn Austin's car 90 degrees in the garage. Yeah. Uh, he was, he was already very frustrated that we were up partying and well i had, had to, to work and i was pissed because you guys were being loud as shit yeah and playing like we had this surround sound system that was jason my this cool stepdad had this badass surround system that was hooked up in in the living room and living room garage and yeah. outside <clears throat> back over the hot tub and you could remote like you could change where you wanted it to be so travis had it going like full tilt boogie in, in the, the, in the, the house li- in the house in the house still. when i was trying to sleep yeah and so i was already upset and I was like, I was fine. I was going to go to sleep, whatever. I was dealing with the music. And then I don't remember what happened, but somebody like, did somebody come and wake me no, up? No, you were really stressed out. You just wanted to smoke at the time. Oh, okay. So I came out to smoke. And then what happened? Yeah. So Austin comes in the garage and we were like <laughs> literally caught red handed. We had, so two, two car garage and we had his car pinched. Like we were on our way to getting it perfectly 90 degrees. We had a jack under the back of it and we spun the rear end around. <laughs> 
to where like he couldn't get out, you would have to like jack it back up and get like three or four people to rotate the car again to get it out. So he caught us red handed, opens the door and I'm like about to let the jack down, pissed off. And, (laughs) and all of a sudden I'm like, all right, fine. You caught us. I'll spin it back around because he was pissed, freaking out, all of us. So I grab the jack and I start ripping it around the other day. And as soon as I pull the jack out, I hear this like, I hear this screech of death. I'm like, I have no idea what made this noise, what happened. It was our, <laughs> our shop cat. Our shop cat was <laughs> under the car the whole time. And I had ran over her tail with the jack. <laughs> she had a missing piece of the tail I, for years. <laughs> like, I shaved half of this cat's tail with the jack because I ran it over and as I was running over, she took off and ripped all the hair out and the patch never grew back. No. Um, she, had, she had a she had a mark, bro. So as I'm trying to drop this jack, I hear this screeching. Everyone's sprinting trying to figure out what's happening because everyone thought I was killing the cat. I didn't know. I was like, it was super hectic and uh, in the long run, um, we just left Austin's car still sideways and then went to sleep and he had to move it in the morning. Yeah, good times. So good times. That was good. All right. I want to, I want to shift gears back to seriousness a little bit. Okay. This is really fun. I love reminiscing on past times. <laughs> there's, there's so many, uh, there's so many good ones, man. I'll never forget. You know, they took the road out, the S curve by our old house. Mm-hmm. No, no, I drove through the other day. Yeah. Doesn't that, did that hurt you a little bit? Hurt yeah. your soul a little bit? Yeah. Bummed me out. Yeah. I looked yeah. over and I was like, man, I know I'll probably never drift that again, but like, Fuck you guys, you know? It was such a good one. Damn. It's tucked back in the trees. It was surrounded by just like crackhead mobile homes. So like no one would call on you. It was so good. We had this little S corner by our house that we used to like hit on the way to work. So we both had S13s, 240s. Street drifting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And there's this little S turn. And how about the time, bro? Okay. We don't, yeah, never mind. I'll skip that one. What? When you got got a reckless driving ticket and almost got arrested and I did a week later? Yes. That way. We can talk about that. So, we don't have to, but yeah, we don't have to. But that's really oddly comical. Yeah, because I gave you so much shit for being irresponsible and getting caught, and then I get caught a week later. Yeah, Mister Not Clean Driving Record. But <clears throat> who is? Hey, that one was expunged though. Like I, it wasn't on the record. Yeah, didn't you just get another ticket like recently? Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I just we did that podcast with Miguel. <laughs> And you jinxed my, it, bro. I jinxed it. I was like, I got a clean driving record. Look at me, professional race car driver. No. And then the next day, I'm coming home from, uh, there's like a RC track in Portland. Yeah. I do like some drift stuff there. And uh, it's like 1.30 in the morning. And I'm cruising the, the curves at the zoo. And a motorcycle cop guns me at 1.30 in the morning. And like, I'm in the wagon. And obviously, like, it's 1.30 in the morning. There's no one on the road. I'm doing like 95 and a 50. Right. Guns yeah. me. Yeah. I'm like... I deserved this. God damn. I still feel like I take rain for the most epic speeding ticket, driving t- reckless driving ticket. Was that in the Subaru? No, it was in the 240 when I I basically monjied the on-ramp up on the 503 oh, and the yeah, cop yeah. put in the affidavit that <clears throat> uh, driver was fishtailing dangerously close to guardrails. And mm-hmm. I was like, yeah. Let's go. Close to the guardrails. Let's go. I, I took that one. Took that Proximity w. achieved. That's right, dude. <laughs> I still, man, there, there's so many memories of us fucking street drifting, dude. We did like, like T5 era. That was crazy. Lauren's still got all the videos up. You can find some stuff. I know. I looked through the other day. I drove. Did you find the one from at night from the backside of T5 in the car when you get, when your S13 was blue? The night that you like bashed the curb, bent a control arm? No. You didn't find that one? 
I found the one of me. Uh, there's a couple of me following Jeremy. Mm-hmm. Those are the only ones that I yeah backside of T five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that the one you're talking about? Same ones. Where in I don't the rain. I don't know. There is one though where you see me blast the curb. Oh, that was at Ford. Is that what that was? Mm, yeah, that was at Ford. No, there is the ones that I that, I know which ones you're talking about. Mm-hmm. The backside of, where there's like that little weird like entryway. Yeah. Does that video still exist? Yes, it does. Insert clip. Yes, insert clip. It is so dope. It's I don't know. Like, this was like 2012. Oh my gosh! Yeah, dude. Yeah. Maybe late. Maybe a year later. Maybe 2013. Still over 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good time. 100 percent over 10 years ago. You were <clears throat> you were even there? Mm, I don't think you were there for that. I one. think I was there. I were didn't. Look, I, my car was down at the time. I think I drove somewhere. Oh, else, maybe but. you were riding with me or something. But yeah. yeah, dude, that that video is super sick because he added like the fake like. Like yeah, remember yeah. in the transfer, yeah, yeah, and I don't, yeah. I don't, we don't hit, but like he yeah. makes it sound like, like, <laughs> yeah, Lauren's a wizard. Um, yeah, dude, that was so much fun. I actually, it was so funny when I had him on the show, and I was talking to him because it had been so long. And I, when I initially contacted him, I was like, "Yo, bro, do you remember me? I'm this guy." And he was like, "Of course, I fucking remember you, stupid." <laughs> and I'm like, I go and look <laughs> back at all these. I'm in like a lot of his Instagram videos, as if yeah, like, yeah. but it's crazy what happens with friendships when you go that long without talk, you don't even know the person anymore. Yeah. Like they're totally different. Oh yeah. There's, there's no, anybody that knew me five years ago does not, does not know me now. Mm-hmm. For I think sure. personality wise, that aspects maybe stays there, but like with everything with the world and like all of this, like political bullshit and just like how everything is so focused around like who you are as a human. And it's so judgmental based off of your social media presence. I feel like mm-hmm. now it's like, yeah, no clue. Yeah, dude. no one knows you. Yeah, for sure. But Wild. Lauren videos were fun. Those was a good time. Mm-hmm. Who is your biggest or what you would call uh, a role model? Role model? Who's your role model? I asked him this last question. I thought it'd mm-hmm. be fun to ask you. Like somebody you genuinely like doesn't need to be drifting. It could be anything, bro. Your dad. Dad's a good one, but. Biggest role model. Um, I don't know. That's Gramps, dude. That's what I was thinking. That's Gramps, for sure. Gramps is definitely the last of a dying breed as far as, like, like attitude, um, just, like, work ethic, um, optimism, just can-do attitude about everything is kind of the same thing, but... Um, someone that will just like there's always a way to make it happen you just got to figure out that way and not <clears throat> quitting and keeping moving and like and doing the most with what you have mm-hmm. type of person um and always giving everybody the benefit of the doubt without um without being like blindsided i guess like giving people giving everybody equal amount of like trust and respect yeah until they until they give you reason not to mm-hmm. like just trusting someone until they give you reason not to and, and versus being the other way which is more common not trusting someone until they prove man it. i wish i could i wish he was sitting right there and i could ask him why or like how he does that and yeah. deals with that yeah my grandfather is like absolutely just a one-of-a-kind human being and um stubborn as as all hell um but like in the best way possible and always has everyone's best interests in mind, no matter what, like super thoughtful, super driven, super motivated, like just a craftsman, like 
I don't know, worked with his hands his entire life, has so many tricks up his sleeve when it comes to like fabrication and building race cars and building planes and just like, just in general, just being an all around like great human. Do you ever feel like you take moments for granted with those types of people? Always. It sucks because it's like, they're so, they're so great to be around and such great people that it's like when you just get used to that's just how they are. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just, you're just used to it. Mm-hmm. And then it's not until you interact with people who are shit till you realize how great those people actually are because it's hard not to take that for granted when you're blessed enough to have that person in your life regularly. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know, dude, even like this is a dude that <clears throat> he's, 82, 81, 82. Um, I think like a year ago fell off like a 16 foot ladder in the shop and like blew his arm apart and like broke some other stuff and, uh, broke his hand, um, bruised some ribs or whatever. And they're like, Hey dude, you got to chill out. And I catch the dude a week later in a sling rolling around in my race car in the shop working on stuff and like refusing to sit down absolutely refusing to sit down. That's crazy, dude. I'm like, hey, dickhead, you're supposed to be on the couch, <laughs> chilling, healing, you know, because you're old and you don't uh. heal very fast. And he's like, nope, <clears throat> don't need it. I'm here. And he, and like, you know when he's hurting because he'll like take breaks and go back and forth in the house, but he's always, no matter what, he's out in the shop as long as he possibly can until grandma's like, hey, you need to come inside. I have such a good I haven't seen you all day. Too, bro. You know? Oh my gosh. <clears throat> grandma's the best too, though. But yeah, definitely, definitely Gramps. So if I could like, like growing up and into the future, if I can retain even 50% of what that dude is, like I've won. That's cool, dude. Yeah, I feel like it's really hard to, it's really hard to understand those moments when they're happening. Yeah. It's really hard to, it's almost like you don't know what you got till it's gone. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean that in a bad way or whatever, but it's like, it's, it's almost like if you know that and you know this manager hero, then that's your that's your reminder to freaking make sure he knows that, number one. And number two, like, because like, I tell you what, there was nothing more motivating than him telling me that mm-hmm. the other day. Yeah. Like, so rad, bro. So, and, and not in a way, one, because I didn't expect it, but number two, <clears throat> it's almost like, like that was so fulfilling. Mm-hmm to do what you do and to like go like it makes all of like your hard things the struggles that you've been through because it's not easy to be that you know Mm -hmm. that there are moments when he probably does doesn't want to just keep pushing you know it's not it's not hard or it's not it's not easy just to be that happy go lucky like pumped for you guy all the time Mm -hmm. you know absolutely it's exhausting i think i've seen him i think i've seen him mad maybe three times, three times in my entire life. Yeah. I've seen him show, scary. show frustration. No, because like, I think I was only on the end of causing it one time. Like I pushed him a little too hard one time and I quickly realized like, don't do that. <laughs> just cause like, um, it was just, there was a lot of frustration that day in the shop and, uh, just a lot of stuff going on and I kind of like snapped and um, he basically was like, he basically was like, Hey kid, like 
this ain't it. You better backtrack right now. Like, like you're fucking up. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, damn, you're right. Like hits you in the soul, right? It was like a, it was like, a, I'm not mad. I'm disappointed. And I'm like, shit. That hurts way worse, bro. That a hundred percent will get me yep. every time. There it is was one time, and and for sure I deserve. And he should have hand like I I would have handled me in a totally different situation. I would have punched myself in the face. Mm-hmm. Like I was, I remember the day I was like I was super frustrated, but I was taking it out on everybody, mm-hmm. just like, um, just being you know disrespectful and short and like condescending and just every every bit of like a total dick, yeah. right? And he still at the end was still respectful enough to me to tell me in that way that I was being an asshole, but not make me feel any less of a man. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like the way he, the way he put me in my place so gracefully. Right. Is so rare, I guess. For sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's like a certain he, level like he of could patience. Have, like he could have just like thrown a wrench in my head and walked out and not talked to me for a week. Mm-hmm. But instead he was like, hey man, I know you're frustrated, but you're definitely being an asshole right now and this is why. Yeah. And I'm like, shit, you're right. And not there's not a lot of people in the world that would have handled me at that time. Granted, this was like, this was probably like eight years ago. Mm-hmm. Like I've grown a lot since sure. then. Um, but like there's not a lot of people in this world that would have handled Eight eight year ago, me like that, like I'm confident there was there's it's not very common. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? No, I do for sure, and I feel like also <clears throat> it really makes like I, I try and think about what those people had to go through to get to that point. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like how many times? Like th- that's what I try and remember with a lot of the the people that I look up to is they went through a lot of trial and error to get to be able to talk and communicate like that. Mm -hmm. Like maybe there's a percentage of people that do wake up that are just great communicators and respectful in many aspects of their life. But there's also like majority of people attempted to have great conversation or attempted or maybe through the wrench Mm -hmm. and realized that that wasn't it, you know? Yeah. So that's what I try and remember in those, those instances is that, the path to getting there is never what it seems, mm-hmm. you know, and it's always, again, this conversation has made me realize, or that conversation that Carter and I had last week has made me realize that <clears throat> it's not always, it's not, not always a straight line jump and you just don't wake up one day and you're just this perfect individual. And if you expect to be that, you know, you're never, you're never going to get there. If you expect yeah, yeah. to just like wake up one day and just have it all figured out. Yeah. It's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, for sure. That one is, uh, that was a heavy one. Are you, uh, are you a very spiritual person, dude? Mm-hmm. I say spiritual, not religious. Yeah. Spiritual. I don't know, dude. We've never talked about this. Yeah. We've never talked about this. Um, Spiritual in a sense of just like supernatural, like a higher power, or spiritual in a sense of, um, like, do you believe in karma? Ca- I was gonna say karma. Um, yeah, okay. I believe it's very patient. Sometimes it takes a lot of time. Yeah, to catch to show up. itself to catch up for sure. 
but I believe in it. But on the other hand, I've also seen a lot of people that I feel like will get what's coming to them hasn't came to them yet, mm-hmm. you know? That I'm like, damn, how's that person, the way they acted towards me, like, are they a totally different person or are they liked that to everybody and they still, you know? Yeah. But... I don't know. I do, do you believe think, in it. Do you think that karma plays into people's like, cause for instance, what, I, what where I'm going to go with this is you may think that I'm being an asshole, but what if I'm having a really shitty day? And so when I say that by a really shitty day and I treat you like a jerk, mm-hmm. but there was a, a tenfold of cards that unplayed before that, that were not in my favor mm-hmm. that put me, and gave me that opportunity. Do you think that karma takes those things into consideration? You ever thought about that? Mm, like, <clears throat> like you're like you're Almost on like the shit end of the stick based on so many previous not only that actions, but like your view of my karma could be different than my like. Mm. Like it's almost like this is what the part that gets me with it with the psychological aspect of it because this is a tough one to unfold. I'm trying to unfold it the best I can. Because you still don't know what they're dealing with. Exactly. Because like you, their their karma might not get to them publicly. So, yeah. in the Or in the public's eye. So when you said that, when you said mm-hmm. there's this, we'll just say these people or whoever mm-hmm. was pissed off at you, do you think that maybe it hasn't come to them because of other situations? of other things that unfolded <laughs> or is, was that, I mean, it's totally, <laughs> no, I mean, it's totally possible. Like it, it's one of those things where, I mean, it's still like a social media curse, you know, it's like, it's like one of those things where people only put out the best parts, Yeah, you that's know? True. So, um, whether it actually be on social media or not, but like a lot of people, a lot of people don't make public their, um, like their downfalls, I guess, and their struggles. Mm-hmm. So maybe, that karma very well could have hit already. I think it's I think it's all read up here. I believe in more of whatever you, whatever you think and you put into the air, mm-hmm. or you know if you want something to happen. Uh, what is that thing when you speak things into existence? Somebody help me out here. Oh my gosh, I'm it's so like- stupid too. It's like like you know it you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, exactly what you're talking about. But anyway, I'm I think blank. the power of speaking some speaking something or thinking and and empowering yourself in that way and putting making something happen that way is more powerful than karma. I think that that is a better representation of karma. So mm. like if you think something bad is going to happen because you treated somebody like shit or you did something bad and you think like for for instance you just made a really bad decision. You uh <laughs> you smoked weed. And you're, you didn't want your parents to find out. You're doing your best to hide the weed, right? <laughs> All you can think about is the weed. <laughs> you are weed before you <laughs> what, know it. What's going to happen, bro? Your parents are going to find out you smoked the weed. So I, yeah. I think that that is more powerful than... I think that's like the my version of what I believe karma is to be. You're telling me that um, I, didn't, I didn't get as many points last year in the series because I was so worried about getting points in the series last year? That's exactly what I'm saying. Mm. Because I was, I I worried it into existence. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's yeah. Worry is a liar, bro. Fear fear is a bully, and worry is a liar. Mm. Yeah, that's one of my favorite ones. That's good. It is, dude. 
worry. There's like you you cannot, and and I think I think it's powerful too. Like it is extremely powerful when you truly believe something, like you truly believe it, and you're in control of it. I think it's it's insane what you can accomplish with that. Just that one thing, like believing, like. Like I said, the last podcast too, I was talking about uh, myself when I'm happy and I believe in myself is exponentially more powerful versus when I doubt myself. So what if you're the, you, you are the guy who doesn't want to think about it. You want to say, I'm going to think about you. You're, you're on the opposite of end of that spectrum as in like, I already want to assume the worst, the worst only because <clears throat> Like you don't want to be let down. Exactly. So like in my brain, I'm like, how to, how would you, how would you be so confident in that success that you, that any struggle or setback would not bother you at all? Cause I feel like, cause I feel like in that moment, if you are so absolutely confident that you're going to succeed, that there's and, nothing and more that would know you're going to, you know, you're going to win that, that hardship ha- in my brain, I'm like that has to hurt a hundred times worse. No, I think I think it, I think I think that we also we will never understand the true uh, perspective because I can't put myself in your body and you can't put yourself in mine. Yeah, in the yeah. sense of understanding actually how bad. Like when you say I want something so bad, like how bad is that bad? Like me just casually walking down the street could be I want to I want this real bad versus you sprinting and mm-hmm. you know we don't know that yeah yeah but i do think that there is a power in <clears throat> understanding that um the worst is always possible in any scenario mm-hmm. and i think what's more powerful is your will and understanding that that emotion can come and overcoming that emotion in the yeah. moment yeah and i think that it's more powerful like, think about what you could do, bro, if you were just like, yo, I don't give a fuck if I lose, but I'm not going to fucking lose. Yeah. Like, I'm not. I'm just, I, I won't, I believe that I will win. And even, even if you didn't like think like that, you know, in that, to that extent, like, what if you could look at yourself every single day and wake up and just believe that the day was going to go how you wanted it to go? Mm-hmm. That like if, truly, truly in your believe, heart, you you're just like it's one hundred and fifty percent. And then if and then when you hit a speed bump, you go, hold up, that was unplanned. I got this. Revert versus thinking about it like, okay, I know that this speed bump is going to happen. And when the speed bump happens, you go, fucking a. Damn, it did happen. I knew it was going to happen. Versus being like, like, and the, the the opposite end to that is like, if you do think about, oh, this negative is going to happen, like I know it, I'm ready for the worst. You don't enjoy and embrace the true moment yeah. of understanding and believing in the positive. Yeah, I guess you get, you <clears throat> rob yourself. If you, if you think that way, you rob yourself of any potential happiness and you, you end up being, you end up being a slave to the possibility of failure. Yeah. And yeah, that mentality sucks because like I've definitely been there more often than not because I'm just like I do get in my head about about like 
I don't want to get my hopes up about things. Yeah. And if they don't happen, I just, I'm like, oh, if I don't get my hopes up about this, then I won't be super let down if it doesn't happen. But it definitely like, definitely robs you of any sort of positivity and excitement for the journey. I think it's like what you, so you, your brain definitely, how does that work for you though? Cause I, I think that, I mean, or did that make sense to you? When no, I just it does. Said? No, I just like the way I usually go about things or how I'm kind of hardwired to is I just, I let it happen. And if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. If it doesn't, then cool. So you kind of don't hope or wish for either of them. Like, I, you know, you I want obvi- something. They're obviously like, I want certain things, but I'm like, <clears> I'm just going to, I'm going to work towards that goal. Yeah. And if that goal doesn't come, then it doesn't come. You adapt. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. But if it does come, that'll be great. But I'm not going to sit here and think about how awesome it would be to accomplish that goal constantly. Because then if it doesn't happen, I'm like, damn, I put so much energy into hoping this is going to work. And mm-hmm. now I'm really let down. Yeah, that's, that's how my brain naturally works. I wish it didn't sometimes that way. But also... I don't know. It, it kind of like realizing it now, like it kind of forces me to, it kind of forces me to stay in like the, to stay in the ambient, like in the middle, you know, I'm like, I'm so neutral in my emotions about everything. Mm -hmm. I'm never really like super bummed out, but I'm also never really super stoked. I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of there. And some things come along where I'm like, damn, that's super sick. Okay. I'm pumped about it. And some things come along where I'm like, ah, damn, that kind of sucks. But I think that's that's a that's a kind of a cool thing if you look at it in the way of like you're living to live though, you're living to experience, and you're not chasing the high. Because I feel like if you're yeah. constantly chasing the high, that comes with dramatic lows. Yeah, you know. Yeah, because that's how that's how I feel like I I operate is i'm constantly chasing the high i'm chasing the next like Mm -hmm. you know whatever but yeah i don't i don't know i I don't think there's any right or wrong to it it's just a different way about going different way about going about it but (laughs) (laughs) do you think that you do that because you feel like you need to stay like level-headed mentally and that you don't want you know the thought like you feel like if you get too set on one specific thing or height then i can't pivot win, then you can't like when that does happen you feel like you can't get away from that or it yeah, affects your ability to perform i i bet i think it probably only gives me the ability to operate like 80 percent for sure like i don't like maybe it doesn't let me unlock that extra 20 percent to give something my absolute focus mm-hmm. but Maybe it's like a jack of all trades, master of none type of thing. You know what I mean? It's a tough one for me. Like I don't want to overfocus on one thing, and then no, when I it doesn't it. work out, have nothing else because I I spent so much time and energy trying to accomplish one set thing, mm-hmm. like putting your eggs in one basket type of type of shit. Maybe that's something to do with it. But do you think it's a little bit of uh, like when we speak of just like we'll just talk it talk about competition for a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, like if I. I don't text you and I'm like, I don't specifically be like before an event, be like, Hey bro, you're going to win first place. This event just want you shit. to know I you're going to kill it. You know, all my friends know I hate that <clears throat> shit. I don't text you and specifically say that because I know, do you think that there's some superstition with that? 
It's because like that's like what if I'm wrong? It oh. just no, it puts so much pressure like on me personally because like if all my family and friends, everyone's hyping me up, like, don't dude, you're gonna win this event. Mm-hmm. Like it's you're so good at this track, you qualify high here, you're always good in battles, you're gonna totally like you're you're rolling you're everybody. Like, Fuck. You're gonna win. And I'm like, if I don't win, I feel like I let all these people down and they were so confident in me. And why were they more confident in me than I am of myself? Dude, uh, I actually, you open that open. Okay, so I completely understand that aspect of things. I would hate that as well. I do hate that. I don't like people complimenting me in the sense of, or cheering me on in the sense of being like, you know, like you're gonna nail. It. Like if I had a really big interview, yeah. Like if I had a crazy guest and you're somebody do was great, like, you're don't worry. Do so great, I'm like shut the fuck up. Just, yeah. just let me have let my me moment. Cook, like, let, me let me cook. Let me cook. Let me deal with this. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Yeah, exactly. That's how that, I feel about it. The amount of pr- I never thought about it from the pressure aspect. I only thought about it from the mindset aspect of you not wanting, no, not believing in yourself. <clears throat> and that's I like you do. I do. I, I trust. I trust myself that I'm fully capable. Yeah, but I'm also like, let me win that battle. Mm-hmm. I don't need the reinforcement. Yeah. Also, you just need somebody to what? Okay. What is a good way to support you? Shh, don't <laughs> don't um, fucking talk to me. What? No, not at all. No, like, I mean like, what is a way? Like, if somebody were to shoot you, because I, 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 this is it's important to me. I want. I think it's important that you know that I'm watching. I think yeah. it's important that you know that like, I'm I'm supporting you. Like I'm cheering you on. I got you, brother. You're gonna do great. Whatever. Like. Just how like does somebody's, how does what's a right text that would motivate you and be like, I mean, got this. Is someone just like, <clears throat> like if the homies are like, just, yo, dude, Long Beach looks killer. Just have a good time this weekend. Yeah, like that's really Simple. all. That's it. Like I'm like, yeah, dude's gonna be sick. I'm either gonna win or total my car. Like I usually tell you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, not like the. You've gone out in the 32 and at Long Beach the last four years. This year's your year. Yeah. You're like. What if it isn't? <clears throat> but like that's the instant doubt in my mind that I'm trying to get rid of. Mm-hmm. Like that's a that's a hardwired thing that I need to change. Actually, sure. But it definitely is. It does add the pressure. It's like it's like a sponsor being like, "Hey man, we need a top ten this year." Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "Or else what? You're gonna you're gonna drop you're me. gonna drop me?" Yeah. Like because if someone's like, someone's like, "Hey, we really we really need a win this year from you." Mm-hmm. Then I'm like, okay, now I have so much pressure to perform. And if I don't, now that's all I'm thinking about right. is winning. And I'm not actually having fun in the moment. And we know historically I drive the best when I'm just having fun and not thinking about shit. Mm-hmm. When I tune out, when I'm. How do you think other people do that? Do you think that pe- like like that amount of pressure is, is insane, right? Yeah. So how do you think people, uh, do you think that everybody needs to be in that same headspace? Or do you think there are people that are just like everyone's different but like a lot of these guys have sports therapists really yeah like, me- like mental coaches yeah absolutely why don't you have a sports therapist how am i gonna pay for a sports therapist how much is a sports therapist <laughs> tell me my <laughs> tell me my brain's messed up <laughs> <laughs> yeah this one's a goner <laughs> can't help you there how much figure out how much a sports therapist costs i'll do i'll look it up look it up and then uh we can uh we just need to put some Dev's coffee bar on the side of it. Now I'll, I'll sponsor you for <laughs> sports, a sports therapist. therapist. <laughs> a mental, it's like the mental coach thing is so wild to me because the guys that have mental coaches mm-hmm. drive calm and calculated and a certain way. And the guys that 
do well but don't have mental coaches are wrecking balls. Like erratic? Just like <laughs> the most, like, you don't know what the hell they're going to do. They'll pull some shit out of their ass. They drive super aggressive. They're ready to write the car off. Right. It's very, in my experience, it's very different. Like, Osbo, mm. I'm pretty sure, has a mental coach. Yeah. I definitely know Chelsea does not have a mental coach. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, Osbo don't crash. Chelsea always crashes. Right. So, but they're not any less exciting to watch. Sure. Like, Osbo's the robotic dude that always, like, the car's in the exact spot it needs to be all the time and smooth and calculated and always qualifies high. And mm-hmm. usually is like, he's a safe bet, you know? Chelsea equally is exciting to drive because you're like, he's actually going to do something crazy or the car's going to end up on his roof. You know what I mean? Like there's no in between, but like, I don't know which, I don't know which one I need. I've Uh, been super pumped and like ready to go and still lost. And I've been super calm and ready to go and still lost. Yeah. yeah, yeah, But I've also won off of being calm and collected and not thinking about anything. But I've also won when I'm like pissed off, jacked, ready to crash the car don't care right and i've won battles that way so i, I haven't figured out what my consistency what do you think a yet. mental coach would bring you though like if you did get one like what do you think i don't know maybe they'll like they'll full-on shrink me like what my maybe they start from your childhood i don't know <laughs> analyze you like i have no idea I, I have no idea what that entails i don't know dude that's wild like some people are like sitting in their car falling asleep on hot grid before mm-hmm. the lights go out you know like they're just like taking a nap and it's like oh you gotta drive and they're like all right and then some guys are like doing push-ups and punching shit like getting the heart rate up used to literally shit my pants like when i went up against uh i think the most nervous i've been for a battle was before we went to medford and we competed Mm -hmm. the most nervous i was was when kyle pollard was following me in my blue s13 at park do you remember that really yes why were you nervous uh, oh, because it was like a pro car at the time. It was a and pro car following a stock yeah. single cam S13. Yeah. Like, nah. I mean, nowadays I look at it, I probably wouldn't be as nervous now. But yeah, yeah. in the moment when you're this 19-year-old kid and you have this professional driver mm-hmm. following you, yeah. like, that, like I, the pressure that I felt in that moment is astronomical. I couldn't imagine how you feel going up against people like Osbo. Or, yeah, it or used Vaughn. to bother me. It doesn't bother me anymore. Right. Yeah. I prefer to drive with those people. Because I, they're more predictable, easier yeah. to drive with. How uh, the only other thing that I want <clears throat> to ask you before we wrap this up is, uh, what? How has your perspective changed uh, throughout the year? And for you as a person, bro, what are you? What are you going to be focusing on this next year mostly? <sighs> what as a person? What has changed the most mm-hmm. this year as a person? Yeah. Um, I learned a lot about how I learned a lot about how my personal life can affect my driving at the track and how, uh, how bad I am at shutting out outside variables. Yeah. Um, so I, I learned a lot in that aspect. I also learned a lot about how to like take things one step at a time and try to fix one thing at a time instead of trying to fix a large collective problem, you know, like the, the single step stuff is way easier to feel more, to feel like you're getting more done. I'm listening. You know what I mean? Um, 
And I don't know, next year. No, you're good. Next year going into the season, like I just want to focus more on the other aspect of the programs. I know I said it last year and I was really bad about executing it, but um, like I just want to focus on building my brand as me versus a red car on the internet. Yeah. Like I want to be more active on socials, be a little more open. I know it's not necessarily like my, my personality is not necessarily super bubbly and outgoing and all this, but I know like, I know there's a lot of people that enjoy talking to me from like a down to earth level. Um, I just might not show a lot of like excitement and emotion all the time, Mm -hmm. but um, I don't know. I just want to like connect more with the fans and try to grow my socials organically and be more of a human and show more struggles and just continue to drive and have more fun driving, not focus as much on the need to win. You know what I mean? So if you could give Travis some advice this next year, is that what you'd tell him? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That was good. Yeah. That was good. Don't worry about the little shit. I like it, dude. It's gonna, because it's going gonna, it's gonna to be fine in the long run. Just don't stress about don't stress about the shit you can't control. For sure. For sure. Yeah. No, I think it's going to be a fun year. I think it's going to be a prosperous year. I think, it's, I think we're going to – I think you're on a really great path, man. Watching uh, just the person that you are outside of – the track and the person that you are outside of of the world i think all of your friends would say that it's uh it's something that everybody can see that you're working on i think it's cool you know i appreciate that you're welcome all right we're gonna end the podcast now fuck you guys (laughs) just kidding okay uh do me a favor you guys number one uh drink some backwoods beer they have been the sponsor of this podcast uh for some time now um they have three pubs you guys out in uh, i'm gonna have to put this in the middle of the podcast because we're at the end of the podcast now but i'm definitely filming this at the end just so you know um (laughs) they just opened a brand new pub out in hillsborough uh phenomenal food you guys if you ever had a smash burger i had a smash burger for the first time there freaking fire so good dude you guys need to go um and yeah we appreciate them thank you guys and travis i appreciate you bro Thanks for coming on. This was, did you know Thanks for having me. that this was exactly, I think, 30 episodes past when you were on last? Oh, really? I shot 30 episodes in, in between this. Consistency yeah. is key, my friend. Yep. Yep. Well, how, wait, how, what's the average on podcast dying? How many episodes? Uh, oh, like 20, 20, 25 or something like that. Oh, dude, you're 150%. Yeah, way past that. We're going to the stars, bro. We're, yeah. we're going to the moon. We got, we have, uh, I, I honestly like, yeah, it's going to be fucking great. I'm not going to stop ever. Sorry. You're going to have to listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, I love you, dude. Uh, if you guys want, you guys can support Travis uh, by going to check out his Instagram. It's just at Travis Reader. Um, you can go buy car parts. If you guys have anything car related, you need Link ECUs. He's a great partner with Link. He gets great deals on stuff like that. Travis Reader, Motors, Reader Motorsports.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you guys need consulting advice, you're trying to build a car or a truck, anything like that, he is your guy. Um, and yeah, bro, I hope I didn't do the outro for you, but you're welcome. No, you're good. But like also, um, I'm building, I'm building a practice car. If you are in the Pacific Northwest and you've never experienced drifting before, um, hopefully I can get it up and running 
uh, February, March or whatever. Um, I'm going to be around Spirit Peaks Raceway, um, Pat's Acres, hopefully, if it comes back, um, 50 Circuit in Medford, sometimes at Evergreen. If you end up at any of those events and you've never been in a drift car and I have this monstrosity of a yellow BMW, um, come up to me, say what's up. I will get you in the car because I love watching people experience that for the first time. It's like my favorite thing. Um, whether you're dead silent or freaking the fuck out, it's all it's all great. So don't hesitate to uh, to hit me up. I love it. All right, guys. We'll see you on uh, the next episode here. We appreciate you. Thank you for watching, listening, viewing, and hit the subscribe button. We'll see you next week.